Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Stand, please stand, because it's good to stand in the presence of God's word and just to honour that. And I'll tell you this amazing story, one of my favourite passages from the Bible, from 1 Samuel chapter 14. Now a garrison of the Philistines, that's some of the enemies of Israel, had gone out to the pass of Mishmash. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, so Jonathan is the prince, Saul is the king, said to the young man who carried his armour, come, let's go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his, his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree that is at Migron. The troops that were with him were about 600 men. Along with the son of Atihub, Ichabod's brother, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh carrying the ephod. The people did not know that Jonathan had gone. In the pass by which Jonathan tried to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of one was Bozes, the other one was Senna. This crag rose to the north in front of Mikshal and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armour, come on, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised fellows. It may be that the Lord will act for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. His armour bearer said to him, do all that your mind inclines to, I am with you. As your mind is, so is mine. Jonathan then said, now we'll cross over to those men and show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we shall stand still in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, come on up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and that will be the sign. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they've been hiding. The men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer saying, come up to us and we'll show you something. Jonathan said to his armour bearer, come on up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armour bearer following after him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armour bearer, coming after him, killed them. In that first slaughter, Jonathan and his armour bearer killed about 20 men within an area about half a furrow long in an acre of land. Then there was panic in the camp, in the field and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders trembled. The earth quaked and it became a great panic. Amen. Take a seat. I went to to watch this film. I've been looking forward to it since I saw this clip, and then I'm going to talk to you about it. So let's watch the video. The dance. And go and see it. You know, there's films, movies that God can speak to you through, and uh, I think, you know, God does that in different ways. Obviously, you get some Christian films that do that. I remember Chronicles of Narnia was one that I always cried at, even on aeroplanes, a bit embarrassing. There's other films that, you know, God can really speak to you. Die Hard 2. Well, I just like watching it anyway, but it's fine. Yeah, but uh, there's, there's, there's this film that when I went to go and see it, I, didn't, I kind of had expectations for it. But I'm not going to do any spoilers, really. I'm going to talk about the first 15 minutes because it is an amazing film. I encourage you to go and see it. You know, I have an affinity and a connection to it in some ways because my great-grandfather, Joseph Pearson of the 27th Manchester Regiment, uh, he was at this. He was actually in this same battle. 
It would have been the, bas- the, the Battle of Passchendaele. He died at the age of 27. I was just reading some of the history around that. They were, these local men who were brought up in these local towns, many of them they weren't big men. They were little men because they were living in these industrial places and, and that's kind of my heritage. So they, they, some people got called up soon and, and Joseph would have been part of the Manchester 27th Regiment which was called up and it was the little guys. They were called the Bantams. They came in afterwards. They, they were under the height limit for the first lot of guys who were called in. You had to be five foot three or under in order to be part of this. So he got called up as one of these little guys to go and join this battle in 1917 and he lived for two years he died you know it was like you look at this stuff and you see the reality of the war that they're trying to depict it's quite amazing and this story actually Sam Mendes he it comes from, he was saying I was re- listening to something reading it from for he remembers hearing his granddad talking about being at in the first world war and he actually wrote a book, an autobiography about it. And he talked about, he said he remembers him talking about some guys who had to take a message in order to be able to save lives. But then, then they said they looked back in his autobiography and they realized it was probably him. It was, at one point he ended up having to go out and, and go into no man's land and take this message to be able to save people. And he went from one place to another. And he said that they kept firing bullets at him, but in the end they missed him a few times. And then they thought he must be crazy. So they just stopped shooting at him. And he was able to get through and get the message. But incredible bravery when we hear this. And you know, a lot of this time I'm looking at it thinking, these are young guys. When you watch the movie, you see they're like, they're, they're not really talking about many of them about their sweethearts back home. They're talking about their mums. You know, that's who they're missing. And um, so there's these young people. And it starts, 1917, with... with uh, I say, I'm only going to tell you the first 15 minutes, but I do encourage you to go and say, I don't ever go and watch films twice. I'm going again in a week to go and watch this one. But um, the first sort of scene, really, effectively, is when um, the two of them are sitting there and then somebody comes up and basically calls them to arms, calls them to duty. They're sitting there and they've been having a sleep. And then this call comes to wake up, to get in the fight. It's like soldiers aren't meant just to sleep. Not when there's a battle going on. Not when there's wars to be won. Not when there's an enemy that's advancing. We're not called to just sleep and doss. It's like, come on. Enough of that. It's time to go. Do the duty. See, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 has this word in it. It says this. Consider the ant, you sluggard. It says, consider his ways and be wise. There's a word in the Bible, sluggard. It's basically a lazy person who doesn't take responsibility for themselves. When you look through Proverbs, that's what it says about that person. They kind of want the the good that would come from working hard, and they expect to receive the honour that comes from others working hard. They're just not prepared to put anything in themselves. That's really, as you look through, what a sluggard is. Uh, It's not a nice word, is it, sluggard? You don't talk about sluggard. I I had a friend, a guy who mentored me for about a year. He used to call me the sluggard. That's what he called me. Affectionately, I used to think. <laughs> but when you think about it, that word slug, you know, anything with the word slug in it is probably not that nice. There's another film, I didn't get much out of it. I think it's, I found out later it was uh, Philip Pullman, big atheist, but he did this one. Was it the, the Golden Compass? Do you remember that film? What happens in that Golden Compass is like they have like a, a spirit animal in this. Everybody has like a spirit animal which shows what kind of, you know, your, what you're like. 
kind of thing. And so some people might have like this, this dog that's like very faithful looking dog. Or some of you might have a lion that's really brave. If you saw somebody who had a slug next to them. <laughs> you know? What kind of a person do you think that's going to be? Are they going to get up to much, many mighty exploits? No, because they can't really be bothered. See, when I have a little, I hesitate in any way to compare myself to these men. But when I was in the police, you had to turn up for duty. There were times you turn up for duty. And, and when you went at 7 a.m., or at 3 p.m., or at 11 p.m. at night, when you started your duty, you had to have with you what was called the appointments. You had with you your helmet, your handcuffs, your truncheon, your pocketbook, which was the record of what you had. You had to have your radio. You had all of those things with you. If it was nighttime, you had the torch. That's what you had to have. And they would do a thing at the beginning, they call it parading on, where you basically would have to sometimes say, all right, parade on, and you'd have to show that you had all those things. If you didn't have those things, they sent you home and you were disciplined because you were not fit for duty. You were not ready for duty. You weren't where you were meant to be with what you needed to be able to do what was necessary. See, you look at these guys at the beginning of the film, they're carrying so much stuff. They have so many things that they have to have with them. You know, they've got the radio stuff, they've got the, the map, and they have all these different kinds of things with them, but they've also got like a bayonet and, and with their rifle, and they've got all these different things. You know, they're just like these utility belts of stuff that they're carrying around as they're trudging through the trenches. It's quite amazing. So my question for you, first off, is, you know, are you woke up? Are you, are you, are you turning up in your own life? Are you, are you aligned? Have you got the right alignment for the assignment for God, what God has got for you, first of all? So point to the person, I sometimes do this, point to the person in this room who is chiefly responsible for your spiritual growth. Really mean it. You know, really mean it. Because literally, growth does not happen by osmosis. It isn't just, you know, there's important to, 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 you know, growth environments are really important. But at the end of the day, you can be in a place with people who are really going for it in all kinds of ways. And you can not be because it's a choice. It's a decision. It's an attitude completely. You are the same person as you were this time last year, apart from the choices that you've made to cooperate with the Holy Spirit or to say no to him and back away. And you will be the same person a year from now unless we take responsibility for the assignments that God gives us and say, yeah, I'm stepping up. I'm reporting for duty. I'm not sleeping through my life. I mean, I, 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 sleep's important. We're going to talk about that in this year of. A good eight hours Watch the TED talk that I put on Facebook yesterday. It makes all the difference, yeah? But eight hours, max. After that, get up, get on with it. You know? Do what you're meant to do for, for Jesus. Number two, be ready for action. What's that involve? Ephesians chapter six, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We are in a battle. You look through this book, Genesis chapter three, the battle starts. 
Revelation 21 is when it finishes. Don't think it's going to be easy. If you think it's, it's easy, you're asleep. It's a battle. It's a fight. So have the armor on. Whose responsibility is it for you to have your spiritual armor on? Point to the person in the room. Down to you. I can't do that for you. I can do it for me. Breastplate of righteousness. Helmet of salvation. Belt of truth. All those things are necessary. They're not just necessary. Imagine going out onto a battlefield without your kit on. Like that ready. You're going to get wiped out. Next thing. You see, Jonathan and his armor bearer is a very interesting picture, isn't it, of this? Because they go out and they're going out and it's like everybody else is asleep. Saul and his army, the 600 of them, all are, are like phew, feeling defeated, feeling down. The Philistines keep winning. What are we going to do? Let's just sit underneath this pomegranate tree. Maybe God will do something. Jonathan's like, no, come on. We're going. Do you want to come? Let's go and take the fight to the enemy. That's what he says. We don't want to go alone. So the question then is, who are you with? Who's with you? But who are you with? Who knows that you're with them? You see, see if we don't speak it out, if we can't say to somebody, I'm with you and I'm for you, it doesn't help. You know? A silent friend isn't one. If, if it's just, well, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know because you didn't tell me. Oh, yeah, I was always there for you. I was always with you. Well, maybe I could smell you. But that's about as close as we got because, you know, what does he say? Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I'd love more and more friends like that. Anybody else? Yeah. People who would say, people who won't just, oh yeah, yeah. No, people who say it are encouragers. People who will open their mouths and say it. That's, what, that's the fuel of greatness. That's the fuel of courage. The fuel, to have somebody come alongside you and say, you know what? I don't, this seems like a stupid strategy. And that's what he could have said, isn't it? He could have voiced that. We're going to go out into the middle of all of them. We don't know how many of them there are. Yeah? You're saying we're going to go uphill, me and you, against them who keep on winning, who've got like Goliath-sized people, some of them. You know, and he's like, see, at the start of this film, as they're going, the two of them... There's a little bit of that. There's one of them who's, it turns out, it's his brother who's going to be one of the ones who gets rescued. So he's got a passion for this. And his mate is like, I don't think this is that good of an idea for us to go into this fight. And he's like, yeah, but my brother's there. So we are going to go. We've got this message and we've got to save people. And his friend kind of comes along with him reluctantly, under orders. He's just sort of with him, but he's not with him. You make a choice as to who you're with. And, and we also, I think we ought to voice this to each other more and more. Be willing to be able to do that and let people know. 
I'm with you. I might not always agree with you. I might not get where we're going. But you know what? I'm for you. In case you ever wonder, I'm on your side. When whatever bullets start flying. Next question. What are you going for? One of them, who's the one whose brother is one of the people who needs to be saved, he's like, they said to him, you've got, got good skills for navigation. He said, yeah. And then immediately keeps getting out his compass. You need a compass more than a map. Thing is, when they go into this war zone, it's not what they expected it to be. Who knows that's true? Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> then, suddenly, the plan went out of the window. So, it's, it's good to have a map, it's good to have a plan, it's good to have an idea, but once you start to engage with the enemy, what you need isn't a map because everything's changed. Once they start advancing, they realise what they thought would be there is no longer there anymore. And this isn't happening like, they, like the generals thought it would happen. They're having to kind of make it up a little bit as they go along. But all they know is the mission is get to there. So if we carry on on this bearing, we will get there. They've got, you know, you need true north in your life. You need to know what true north is. And you can only have one true north. You know, so otherwise you're going to keep on spinning around in all kinds of different areas. In every area of life, there's important things that we can put around the compass about family and plans and where I want to live and career and all these kind of stuff. They're, but they never make them your true north. Jesus is your true north. Follow Jesus. He will get you there. It's more important to have a compass than a plan. So, again, what's the, the map? What, what, what's the plan? We'll step out, we'll be seen. If they say this, then we'll do that. That's it. I wouldn't want him in charge of my paintball team, Jonathan, to be honest with you. <laughs> but what he don't do is just stay where they are. They don't just keep their head down. Again, I'm only in the first 15 minutes of the film. But this guy's there, and he's, he's an officer. And they're, about to, they're supposed to step out into no man's land. This guy has been there and he's seen people getting shot. A lot, too many of them. And he's like, go if you want. You're only going to get killed. I'm staying down here. And there's signs everywhere that literally say, keep your head down. Who wants you to keep your head down? Is it God? No, the enemy wants you to live with your head down about that shot that hit you, that wound that wounded you, that time when you messed up. He wants us to live our lives with our head down. Victory came when Jonathan and his armour bearer looked up to those two mountains. When they looked up into the face of the enemy and showed themselves, that's when victory started. We're not, you're not ever meant to live with your head down. No matter what anybody said about you, no matter what we've done and how many times we've got wrong, Jesus Christ says to you, put your head up, put your shoulders back, stand, stand. Both of them showed themselves to the enemy. Climb up after me, go back. 
climb up after me, go back. The Lord has delivered them into our hands. That's the sign. That's what they needed to know. Will you put your head up? Or are you going to let the enemy keep your head down? And then the final thing with this, what I love about this, is the picture from the making of. Did you see how he said that they wanted to get take it as one, one shot, the whole movie, as much as they could to be able to do that? And in order to be able to do that, they were in the trenches. You will never go through a battle in this life once you've said yes to following Jesus Christ alone. You'll never have to fight an enemy alone. The director, the one who knows the story, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the one from the beginning, who knows the end from the beginning, is with us in the trenches of life. That's why it's a great commission when he says, therefore go into all the world and make disciples of all people. How does it finish? Surely I'm with you to the end of the age. It's like, you get going, I'm coming. I don't know if he was with Saul. Saul's sitting there with the ephod, which is like this religious thing, supposed to be able to connect you to God. He's sitting there again, waiting for God to do something. I don't know if God was with him, but I know he was with Jonathan. Jonathan didn't know God was going to be with him, but he kind of thought he might be. And that was good enough for him. I love that. He says, you know, who knows whether God will be with us? I kind of get a feeling he was. And then he said this, because I know that he is able to deliver whether by many or by few. This morning I was at a, went over to Bamford and a bunch of people from, some people used to be at Ivy, various ways, people who've, who've come together. For, some of you know Joe and Helena Monk used to live next door, great couple the hope their, their baby's um, dedication it was brilliant and there's all these people there some of whom bumping into who used to go to Ivy and now they move to different places and all that kind of stuff you know what it was kind of sad but brilliant because there's all these people who, who've left well who've left with a good spirit who've left to go to their mission the next part of it Remember Joe Sperlin, who's sitting here saying to me years ago, she had a, a dream or something that she said that Ivy, she saw Ivy as being like this university that people can come to and learn some things for a time and then move on to go and do stuff. And the point of university isn't that you stay in university all the time unless you're going to be a lecturer there. And so these people, I looked at them and I just thought, how brilliant that God's taken you here and we've had you for a bit and now you've gone on to do your mission and it's like you know some people's mindset can be a bit like Saul can think the mission is to hold on to everything that you've got and everybody that you've got as much as you possibly can that is diminishing returns it's constantly if we try and keep hold of people when God wants us to release people you, you always end up with less and less and less we've got to get we've got to be able to do that and trust for ourselves and for them, the director knows how the story ends. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I do encourage you to go and watch 1917. Should we pray? Yes. Lord, we thank you that we get called to do brave, courageous exploits in this world. That you've not made us to be people who, who keep our head down. There's a bit in that movie that oh, just grabbed me so much when 
when the guy who didn't really want to go, when they were just about to step out and put their head above the parapet, if you like, and the two of them were about to there, and he, and he said, I'll go first. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to go first. Lord, I don't want to hang around and see what everybody else is doing. And see what everybody else is thinking. Make me one who goes first. And the only way I can be brave like that is to know that actually I'm not because you're going ahead. And you're with me and behind me and beside me. And you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And we worship you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.